mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Oh, dearie. So I did laugh yesterday, Jane. Well, that's uh, unusual. Thank you. Uh, just at the title of uh, Off Air, because it was distracted by a couple of hippos having sex with Matt Jawley. <laughs> <laughs> is that what it was called? Yes. Oh, I haven't, I, it's weird, I haven't listened to yesterday's yet. <laughs> I just saw the title, I thought, Very oh, that's good. funny. I think Matt had noticed it too. All oh, right. OK. So, uh, just to reassure people, that didn't happen. There were yeah. two separate incidents involved there. Yes, we need to make that very, very clear. Let's not mention Matt's book, because God, barely a nanosecond goes by without him mentioning it. Flippin' heck. Yeah, it is quite, it's, it's annoyingly good, isn't it? Now, uh, rest assured that our big guest is Michael Ball, and I think it's good because we've kind of, we've bookended the week with a couple of crackers. Shirley Ballas on Monday. We started Michael with some Ball. ballast and we ended with some balls. <laughs> yes. Indeed. From oh, I'm sorry, Just really, really, really. Uh, I need a quiet night in, Jane. You need this weekend. <laughs> I do. Because okay. we've been, so we, we've kind of rollicked our way around the country, haven't we? We were at Cheltenham on Monday and Tuesday. Can I just say, it's not over for me. I'm at the Bewdley Festival oh, tomorrow night. Oh, where's Bewdley? It's in Worcestershire. It's a beautiful town. Okay. Well, I admire you enormously for doing that. Because actually, I did realise this week, I just love my weeknight routines and going to Cheltenham was really good fun we had a very nice time uh, but I've been so discombobulated by it I do, I'm spinning today I do sort of know what you mean I think we're both in a very a velvet rut as they say <laughs> it's one of my favourite expressions that a velvet rut yeah no well it just means in a very happy yes. if unexciting place yep and I'm completely with you I mean I wouldn't say I always had my bath at around about 11 minutes past nine but I pretty much do. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, if you came to see us at Cheltenham, it was lovely to meet you there. And if you didn't, well, make more of an effort next year. Please. <laughs> Come on, what's up with you? <laughs> I mean, the reasonable transport links. Mm. Uh, this one comes in saying, uh, uh, Dear Finn, Jane, love your podcast. As a devoted long-time listener, I was surprised to see Fee's cat, is it Brian? Yes, it was. And Nancy the dog getting along perfectly on Instagram. I remember Fee telling the story of their first meeting with the cats bolting through the locked cat flap. We would love to get a puppy, but are worried about our geriatric yet shrewd cat not reacting reasonably to a new addition to the household with sharp claws like Dora. That little puppy may not survive for long. I would be grateful for any advice on this topic, uh, says 
was uh, felicitous. Well, can I say, I saw that too, and I don't know how... You know, was that... What do you call that on Instagram, where it's just a short... So, uh, I put it on my story. I've never managed right. to do that before. Oh, well, I was impressed, but I, I didn't know what to do. And when I went back to react to it, I was going to send a heart. It had gone. <laughs> I know. I don't I, really I don't know understand. how I did it. <laughs> OK, you don't know how you did it. Okay, no. But it was a very, very sweet little film of uh, them just getting on really well, which, as you said, everybody needs a bit of that at the moment. So, yes, more of that. What advice would you give? Well, that's a different cat. So when we first got Nancy the Greyhound, yeah. we had Cool Cat and Pinky Ponks. Uh, confusingly, Pinky Ponks was black and white. Uh, and they they were the ones who broke the cat flap going through it at such speed. Right. Sadly, Pinky Ponks no longer with us. No, indeed. Uh, and as my daughter reminded me yesterday, uh, it wasn't, the big news wasn't, it was the first anniversary of us being at Times Towers. First anniversary of Ponks' death. Oh, so we yes. mourn his passing, but he had a lovely life, so we don't dwell on it. But I think um, you don't think that you would be able to introduce another pet into your household because Dora's <laughs> quite... Uh, I, I think territorial covers it, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, she She's not particularly friendly. And it's as though she is the youngest child, very much the youngest child, key resident wouldn't I mean I'm saying all this I don't know also I'm very keenly aware that my life couldn't I couldn't fit in a dog no so although in many ways I'd love one I just don't I couldn't see how it would work no fair enough and my advice would be um Felicitas you see Nance wasn't a puppy so we got a middle-aged rescue dog yeah so the cats were already very much in situ they were quite old themselves but quite an you know an older dog came into their life and Nancy was just kind of no bother Uh, she uh, acquiesced to them, Mm. if that's the right word, much more than they did to her. So it all worked out very well. And then Brian, who's the little one in the in the loving story on Instagram. Uh, he's just a tiny kitten. So, you know, they came to a house with enormous nance. So that's how it worked out. I wouldn't introduce a puppy to establish cats. That actually would be my advice. Yeah. I think the cats would hate that. Okay. Well you couldn't have been clearer. Thank you. Thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. Uh, Now, yesterday we did debate. um, One of our correspondents was interested in whether people thought she should give up her role at work, which was making her feel a bit unwell. She was a manager. She had 100 people to look after. She got a good private pension that would allow her to carry on paying the mortgage. Uh, She also has a husband of 67. I'm trying to remember as many details. You're doing very well. Thank you very much. Uh, But she nevertheless enjoys her job and she was worried that if she gave it up, uh, she'd never find anything as challenging again. Uh, So there's quite a lot to weigh up, but basically she was saying, should I pack it in, what do you think? And here is one interesting response from a listener who says, I would urge her not to quit, and this is a phrase I have heard before, but to quietly quit instead. To do this, she needs to immediately stop doing anything other than the absolute bare minimum at work. Now, Fee's looking at me now in a way that hints at the fact that she might be about to suggest that this is something I've always done. (laughs) Well, no, I was thinking that if we were in a cartoon at the moment, little light bulbs gone on just above my head. Our correspondent goes on. No extra hours, no interaction with work at all outside her core hours. Say no to almost everything and delegate to her team. This is an opportunity for them to step up, decline meetings, leave emails unread, a complete change of mindset, firm boundaries. She's got sick pay entitlement and legitimate reason to use it. She should take it now and quietly quit on her return. 
why should she lose her good salary when she can coast for a couple of years, all the while improving her financial position? I think she would find quiet quitting extremely empowering. What is the worst that could happen? Uh, she'll be asked to leave a job she wants to leave anyway. What's the problem? P.S. I'm assuming she has a corporate job. If she's a firefighter, surgeon or similar, <laughs> please disregard my advice. That's a good P.S. Brilliant. Thank you very much. I'd never thought of that. And I think that is winning, actually. A quiet critic. Yes, it might work. It might work. I, I don't feel, frankly, that I'm in any way capable of offering advice on what I'd call the more traditional workplace, because you and I have only ever knocked around in radio stations. I know. So um, I think the telling point was the the one that you made yesterday, that she's in charge of 100 people. Mm. So I think quite quitting, um, by the sounds of it, our, chorus, our original correspondent was someone who had taken on the stress of a lot of those people, and that was the bit that was making her ill. Mm. So she might find quite quitting almost impossible to do. But I think it's a great suggestion. I had not heard of the term before. Oh, I had heard of it. Have but... you been doing it for years? <laughs> oh, I thought that was what you were going to say. No, it wasn't. <laughs> I have, um, you know, I guess, I think people do fall into different camps with their approach to work. And um, I'm sure we said this before, but at my school, you could do this, you could do projects in the holidays and they were optional. I used to think, oh, bloody hell wants to do that. Why would you take on extra work? You know, I'd spend eight weeks or six weeks, whatever it was, just looking at smash hits and picking my feet. And you get people doing these really elaborate things that they drag into school in the second week of September. What? So I've always slightly carried that. Th there is a sort of benign lazy streak in me, I think, which my sister and I were talking about this the other day and we think we've both got it. <laughs> just, you know slight not bare minimum but you know i do work hard now oddly i'm not saying anything i'm just gonna <laughs> let you carry on love. No, do let's move on to something else okay um, let's hear from leslie yes. who's got an absolutely delightful email uh, about uh, being single and what she did when she wanted to not be single yeah anymore. tell me uh, she says, I was single and had been for seven years after my second divorce when in 2005 I signed up for an adventure holiday trekking in the foothills of the Himalayas. I was 38, but others in the group were aged from their mid-twenties and one chap celebrated his 60th birthday on the trip. There were two couples, but the rest of the group of approximately 25 of us were single men and women. My reason for going was to get away from one disastrous relationship after another. I just needed a break. I'd not tried online dating and just couldn't face it. There were several fab single men and to be honest I'd initially discounted my now husband as a potential love interest as he was just separated with two sons. But after having a truly life-changing time in Nepal, we found that we kept texting each other once we returned and the rest is history. Five months later, friendship turned into romance and he moved from near Brighton to North London to be with me. Uh, we were married in 2008. You don't have to do something so adventurous, but to be away from your usual environment and with the chance to start from scratch, but within the safety of a group with a leader on an organised setup was ideal. And the point I'm making is to focus on something else rather than actively looking for love. To be away from home, judge just for yourself and with no running water but plenty of wet wipes, it actually might work. You're meeting real people in sometimes testing conditions where you need to work together so you see through any BS. Uh, good luck to your listener and thank you if you read this. Best wishes. Well, Leslie, what an absolutely lovely story. Mm. Really, really lovely story. 
And she goes on to say uh, that her late aunt, uh, who had been single for 30 years plus with seven grown-up children, met her second husband on a Roman Catholic pilgrimage. They were engaged within a few weeks and were so happy for the last decades of her life. Oh, that's also lovely. Yeah, I really, I think it's such good advice actually to get away from your usual environment. And you can see people very clearly when they don't have all of the background themselves. And that can feel so daunting to, you know, leave your comfort zone and all of that. But everybody else is leaving theirs. So you do stand quite a good chance of bonding with somebody over being nervous about being out of your comfort zone. Mm. So uh, I'm just so glad that that worked out for you. So uh, well done you, Leslie, and long may it last. Anonymous uh, has sent us an email entitled Ministers and Penises. Mm, Good. Um, This does, I'm afraid, reference Matt Chorley again, but never mind. Um, In response to your conversation with Matt Chorley, and this was the conversation about how real people, most people, are not that nerdy about politics, only know just enough. Basically, vote in general elections if they can find the time in their day and do it more or less on who the Prime Minister is going to be. But definitely can't name the Cabinet or the Shadow Cabinet. I wouldn't wouldn't care to, you know, because they've got more going on. Um, This correspondent says, um, in response to that conversation, I am a civil servant. I've worked at the heart of government for over 20 years. (laughs) I can only name about two and a half members of the Shadow Cabinet. However, that is okay. I could have picked most of the other names out if I helped with a list and people have so much going on in their lives. Is it any wonder they can't bring these names to mind, even if they do follow politics? Honestly, half the time I struggle to remember the names of the actual cabinet, including my own ministers, a consequence of the last couple of years of what we'll call interesting times in government or perhaps a consequence of my current exhaustion. Let's seg seamlessly on from government ministers to another recent discussion about penises and testicles and vaginas and vulvas. They are the words we use for body parts in my house. Children need to know there's nothing shameful or embarrassing about genitalia and need to be able to manage their body with confidence. Plus, sometimes it brings an added bonus. Ahead of a government event a couple of years ago where families were allowed to come with us, my five-year-old daughter asked whether person X a recently departed Prime Minister of the male variety, was going to be there, because if he was, she intended to kick him in the testicles. Alas, he was not coming, but upon retelling this to a senior official, my daughter was rewarded with an extra dollop of ice cream. There's nothing more telling than that. (laughs) No, quite a lot is revealed in that email. I've got your name, but don't you worry. (laughs) You'll be safe with us. Actually, we can't repeat this often enough. If you have got something to offload, particularly something of that nature... You can trust us. We are never going to use names, are we? No. No, it won't happen. Don't no, worry. No, no, no. Uh, because basically that would be very bad karma because lots of people have got lots of stuff on us. <laughs> yes. Let, let, yes. <laughs> uh, all the best, says Lucy in Devon. I once left a banana and two plums in a locked desk drawer one summer. I teach. It was six weeks. <laughs> Suffice to say the smell still haunts me. That's the weird thing, Lucy, because I don't think my dead banana really smelt that much. No, it. I mean, when you saw it, you kind of wanted it to smell more than it did. Yeah, it yeah. didn't at all. Isn't life funny? Right, should we get on to the ball? Yeah, just to say, um, the headline, you know how weather-obsessed I yes. am. <laughs> headline in the Times, from summer to winter in a week. And it is properly cold. I think it's gone from summer to winter in a day. It kind of feels that way, doesn't it? Um, My youngest daughter is uh, at university 
in the northeast, and the temperature there this weekend is re- of England. It is really, really cold. So I've I've Should texted. Be coming home her. then. <laughs> well, I've texted her to say, you know, have you got? Oh, it's pathetic that you still do this kind of thing. Have you got a vest? I mean, not quite that, but I yes, you start to wonder about whether they've got enough jumpers. Yeah. Oh. And is the duvet the right tog rating? Oh, I don't Love know that. Poor oh, little angel. <laughs> Deary me. Uh, right. Do you want to cue the ball? Yes, our guest today was Michael Ball, OBE. Although, as he indicates at the end of the interview, he's very much hoping that OBE may be elevated at some yeah, point. Yeah, he wants an uplift. And how, how can it not be? Um, I don't really need to tell you, tell you all that much about Michael Ball, except to say he's been delighting audiences in the West End and elsewhere for many, many years. He once sang on television alongside Dusty Bin. Um, he's suffered from stage fright. He's represented the UK in the Eurovision Song Contest. The man has just about done everything and his memoir, Different Aspects, has incredible anecdotes in it. It's rich in name dropping. There's also quite a lot about flatulence. Um, You will enjoy it. Uh, Let me guarantee that much, particularly actually if you have a shred of interest in musicals and West End theatre and how it's all done. So uh, here is Michael. I can't remember for the life of me now where this ramble was going to end or how indeed the interview started. Let him take over, darling. He wants to. Let's just plough on. Nice to see you. Really nice to see you. You've got a job on your hands, as you know, to convert my colleague Fiona here to the musical. But if anyone can do it, you can. Well, what about you? I love musicals. Oh, good. So I'm fine. I, what would, what, yeah. I, you know, I'm not going to say to you, am I? I can't stand musicals. Well, she, she has. has. <laughs> I know, but she, she's a bit of... So your memoir is called uh, Different Aspects. Yeah. And I thought it was... I was reading it last night, and frankly, I needed a book like yours last night with oh, everything else going on in the world. It is a really rough old time. Yeah, and gosh. what this does is it kind of bookends it's a you've got different uh, aspects of aspects of love the first time you did it and the most all right and then the most recent revival over the course of the summer now i saw it this summer oh what did you think well you see i i came away hugely impressed by the performances and by the staging which i thought was incredible Mm. but the show itself as you well know has some peculiar aspects. It's it's a tricky show, and I knew that going into it. And it's what inter- has been fascinating was the different take from 1989 mm. to now and the di- things that were challenging then in the storyline um, th- that that uh, are not challenging now and, and the reverse, things that, that uh, caused controversy this time round mm. was not even looked at in the but well, it is i know it's a tricky show i know when you acknowledge that in the book i mean you never yeah, pretend 100%. otherwise yeah it, and for me it wasn't about that i mean i i love it um uh and I, I i'm fascinated by that group of people the bloomsbury set yeah and believe me compared to what they actually got up to this is nothing this is nothing okay. absolutely we need nothing. to say aspects of love is based on a novella by a man called david david garner david garner i'd not heard of the novella at all he lived with i, I was there last weekend at uh, charlton house with vanessa bell and duncan grant all, okay all he was of one the, of them he was yeah. one of them and um it was kind of, but when we did it originally, it was right after Andrew Lloyd Webber had written Phantom and had huge success with Phantom. It's the big anticipated next show. And it sort of came out of left field. And it, it's not one of his, his, his giant hits. Um, and it's a challenge. 
which I really enjoy. Yes. And, <laughs> um, you, you played the young man yeah. first time round, yeah. and this time you played George, who is the older, the older man. man. And what happens in it is that um, Alex, who's the young man, falls for an actress called Rose. Rose within about the first nanosecond of the production. It then happens. they run off together. Uh, and then later on, Rose falls for Alex's uncle George. Mm-hmm. Alex obliges by beggaring off somewhere, yeah. returns 13 years later and develops, well, the young child produced by, keep up at the back, produced <laughs> by Rose and George, Jenny, yes. falls for Alex. Yes. There's also a lesbian kid. Yeah, of course there is. Yeah, but I didn't understand why and I didn't, it, it sort of Because it happens. was in the book. Okay, okay. <laughs> I think what the, what, what, right. what, the, what the book explores is that kind of freedom of of sexuality of relationships that uh, that comes with a cost actually mm. and so the, the ultimate libertine of all time George who is you know life goes on love goes free and feels no qualms about his wife having affairs and him having affairs and that he was in a relationship with his nephew and so is suddenly confronted with this problem of his daughter. Mm falling and having feelings for his nephew who's 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 that much older who's her cousin who's her cousin and and that's where it gets murky yeah and she was in the original only yeah. 13 yeah and in our uh, original production she was 15 and aged to 16 and in this production we we agonized and we made her 18 and you know it, it, of course it was a, it's a challenging watch it's wrapped up in this beautiful music. But what, but what was interesting for me, I've been asked to write a memoir and a biography many times, but to find myself in this pretty unique situation mm. of having created the original production and created that role, to find myself 34 years later at the age that I'm now George and to revisit 42. It. If only my lovely. <laughs> if only. <laughs> no, I'm 61. So same age as, as the original... George was going to be, yeah. which was Roger Moore, and I thought this will be, this is interesting. This is kind of um, a way for me to 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 craft a memoir, to craft my story, uh, with these being the, the sort of central pivots. Because in eighty nine, my world completely changed. Well, you became as you, and you're very self deprecating throughout the book, actually. And you you said you did very much become Michael Ball. Yeah. That's Michael Ball. <laughs> And um, you know, diva-ish tendencies, which you own no, up to. I, I, yeah. You insist towards the end of the book. You acknowledge you insisted on your own toilet. I don't think that's a lot to ask, but it was no good. No point me asking for my own toilet because Mel Smith used it anyway. <laughs> this is hairspray. This is it? hairspray. You know, to devastating results. I mean, <laughs> this is like you just wanted your own toilet just in the backstage. 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 I yeah. think that's completely fair. Thank you. I was expecting something so much more The only other thing that. I asked for is a packet of chocolate buttons. Yeah, well, that's fine. Uh, you should see her riding, Michael. She's They're got ridiculous. The look, she? no, yeah. She's got the look. No, they are ridiculous. Yeah. Um, <laughs> very briefly, back to Aspects of Love. Yeah. Um, the reviews this time round yeah. in the summer were, well, some of them acknowledged exactly my own view, which was how wonderful and professional and particularly the staging of it was amazing. Uh, but it was the plot, it was the mm. show itself, which I think The Guardian described as preposterous. Yeah, but it's not, if you actually look at what was going on at the time. It, it, yeah, it's, okay. I, I suppose making it into a musical is, is an interesting thing to do. I knew all this going into it. Uh, this was just... 
something that I, I felt would be interesting to do, and we might get an audience, you know. And the, but you did get an audience. We, 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 we did, yeah. we did, and we got some who absolutely loved it, a lot of people, but it was getting them in. Um, I think I think the 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 negative response, and don't forget, we're not on the back of a huge hit like Phantom of the Opera mm. from Andrew, so so it didn't have advanced sales that were astronomical. So, uh, in the climate of the West End, it, it, it's it's not a, it wasn't a triumph. No, but I agree, and I I understand it, but I do agree with what you said. And what was so gratifying is having. The writers, uh, having Andrew Lloyd Webber and Don Black and Charles Hart coming up and saying, this is how it should be. This, you've done justice to the work that existed. If anyone listening has uh, got an interest in a career in musical theatre or they might be a child or a grandchild yeah. who would like to do it, I urge you to have a look at this book because I do think you learn a great deal from the book, Michael, about how to oh, do musical theatre. I hope so. And how to be a part of this world because it's a very, very particular world, yeah, isn't it? it really you've is. You've got your own language, you've got your own traditions. I loved hearing about the stuff in, um, is it Broadway, where you have to have, you have a special robe that people yeah, wear? Yeah, it used to be called um, the gypsy robe. You don't call it that anymore. Uh, it's now the legacy robe. And this is a fabulous idea. And I didn't know about it till I went there. And it's every show that opens, uh, a musical that opens on Broadway, you are visited by the last show that opened, one representative who is, who is the keeper of the robe, who is the longest serving performer right. from that show. And they come and visit to you and pass on the robe and they have to put something on the robe that uh, signifies their show. Mm. And, and then it's your duty when the next show opens to pass it on. And this, is, this has been going on for decades. And all the robes get filled up and they're, they're given to the Smithsonian Museum. Uh, and it, it's that, and I love that. I, I love that. I love kind the of legacy. Thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it, it's like going when you go into a theatre, and you play the Palladium or you, you, you uh, the Palace Theatre, where every theatre, and you can't help but feel the ghosts, feel the people who've been there before, and the people, and think about the people who are going to come afterwards. Also, uh, you are, I mean, you do drop names, like like there's no tomorrow, and your anecdotage <laughs> is prodigious. Uh, and we'll, we'll get on in a moment to the day that Diane, Dame Diana Rigg went backstage <laughs> to give Joan Collins some acting tips. Don't, <laughs> It's amazing. But, um, I mean, you talk about uh, uh, Lloyd, Andrew Lloyd Webber mm. uh, emerges as a mercurial gentleman, a hugely which, talented... Which I'm sure doesn't come as a surprise. No, well, probably not. Um, is he easy to work with or for? I mean, I mean, he's a genius. We, mm. we need to acknowledge yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he can be really challenging. And um, I think you kind of earned the right to be when you're, when you're someone like Andrew. Uh, very different from working with Stephen Sondheim. Um, it, 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 you know, who are kind of the, the two names. Um, the names. The, 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 yeah. the names of musical, certainly modern musical theatre. There is... There is, there, there is there, you know, I, I, I love working with him and I've worked with, with Andrew a lot and I know him as well as you can, I think, when you're, when you're in those circumstances and know how to... Do, do, he is... He's, he blows really hot 
and then, you know, comes down. Yeah, well, he had this thing where he would have... Um, he would summon people to his country retreat. Mm. And you were there as a... Well, you say yourself as a turn. I thought, well, yeah, I am. I'm a, I'm a top turn, you're if a, I'm no, honest. No, you're a top turn with your own toilet. We need to make that clear. <laughs> <laughs> and chocolate button. So what, what was the atmosphere like? I mean, you'd, just, you'd expect to be sort of... You showcased his new work yeah, to, the, the, to invited was, guests. This is what he always did. Um, it's called the Sidmonton Festival. Sidmonton is his, his country estate. And on it, there's a, an old church, and he converted it into a theatre. And he would have workshops for all of his... Uh, or other people's different productions. And it was the first time... And I loved it. He said, we, it, it's the first time we get to see what Joe Public thinks. And Joe Public, you know, turns out to be Heseltine, Margaret Thatcher. Well, they're very Jeffrey common Archer, people, you know, you know, regular people, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> At least one of them is sat in that chair in living memory. So, um, yes, carry on. Which one? Uh, Jeffrey Archer. Jeff, um, yes. Jeff, as, Jeff. You, as you know. I think one morning, did, didn't you potter downstairs to discover John Selwyn John Gummer? John Selwyn Gummer. In, in his Grundies. Yeah, well, we were... <laughs> and it's lived with me. Um <laughs> Because we don't, we weren't staying at the house. Oh know, right! Only the the great and the good stay there. So we're we're sort of farmed out to friends or pensions around the area. And I found myself in in a farmhouse. I don't can't even remember whose it was. And I came down, and there was John Selwyn Gummer in his pants making a cup of tea, which he offered to make for me. Oh, that's very nice. Um, I, I was he in declined. the cabinet at the time? <laughs> no, I think he was in the... Uh... Oh, good, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Rising sea levels, extreme weather patterns, extinctions of species. Our planet needs protecting. I'm Adam Vaughan, the Environment Editor for The Times, and this is Planet Hope from The Times, in partnership with Rolex and its Perpetual Planet Initiative. In this podcast, we hear from leading experts from around the world who are committed to finding solutions. These explorers, scientists, entrepreneurs and citizens are committed to a common goal, to protect our home, Earth. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. So, um, there is a backstage etiquette, Michael Ball, mm. who's our guest this afternoon. His memoir is called Different Aspects. And um, you go backstage, don't you, if you're a friend of the turn. Yeah. Um, but what are you supposed to do? What are you supposed to say? You're supposed to... I mean, if you didn't enjoy... If you loved it, then you tell them. If you didn't, you don't tell them. You, you absolutely... But what do you say? You, <laughs> 
you were you want a Niagara of unqualified praise. <laughs> you know, it's happened, it's done. You're a mate. Uh so you find the right things okay. to, to say those, you know, to do that and and uh be encouraging and and um be positive, you know. But that, that's that's my take on it anyway. That's what I would always try and do. I would I would I would try and make people feel good because they've got to go and do it the next night and the next yeah. night and the next night and it's done. I wanted um, to ask you about that, actually, because you do come across as an incredibly kind of naturally positive person, actually, Michael. Fooled and uh, <laughs> You have, exactly. Uh, but on those kind of, I don't know, wet Wednesday evenings yeah. where you, you're more than halfway through a run and, you know, maybe you've just had a pretty rubbish day outside of the theatre and you've got to get on stage, where do you get the thing from uh, to be the entertainer well, again and again? Well, here's the thing. First of all, I'm a professional. We're we're in the business of of entertaining, and we have a job to do. So you dig deep. You find as well that it, it, it's why I love being live. It's about an audience. Uh, you know, it, it it's it's what they give back to us is so invigorating. Usually, uh, and you do have those days. Of course, you do, and um, you just have to do your job. And 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 set that aside. The lovely thing is that I find that quite often happens. You can have the worst. I mean, especially in a show like Hairspray, you have the worst day, and you're just not. You're not feeling great, and things are piling up. Mm. You're there, stood in your costume, and that overture starts up, and you're suddenly on a is train. That Good morning, Baltimore. Good morning, it's Baltimore. The best, it's, it's the just, best. It's just. I mean, amazing. come on. Yeah. And then it doesn't stop. The train takes off and you are on it and you can't get off until you can't stop to breathe at mm. the end of the show. Mm. And, uh, and and so you forget it. You, um, you, you That's why it's great doing this job. You, mm. you, you leave that but all you, behind. You do say in the book that you think it's possibly a post-COVID thing, but that younger members yeah. of casts are a bit, and I hate the term, a bit snowflakey. Why do you hate the term? Because I'm not sure. I mean, because I suppose I've got snowflake offspring, if you like. Well, they're of that generation, okay. and you know, I think they have been dealt in many ways a, a tough really, turn. Yes, it's absolutely. not. It's not been easy for them. Absolutely. But but you you definitely say that some younger cast members might be prone to the odd sickie. Yeah, sadly. I mean, I'm I'm very much of the school of the show goes on unless you really can't, unless you know, unless it's detrimental to the show and uh, to, to the audience. But there has been, and you know, I, I know I'll get stick for this, but I don't care. Uh, there is this tendency that, that if the slightest thing is challenging, then I can't do it. I'm too... The one girl, uh, who will remain nameless, but in a show, uh, didn't turn up. I said, well, and she was off a lot. Said, well, what's wrong with her? I said, well, she just... Doesn't feel she can come. We phoned. This is pre-COVID. Right. We phoned. Are you all right, lovely? I'm just really tired. <laughs> I mean, really? How tired? Just, you know, really, really tired. So, okay, well, why don't you take the... What? No, don't take the week off. Take the contract take off. Take the show off. You know, <laughs> what, just, just take performing out of your CV because that's you know you you crack on and, and and there is an element of me um now I've also had my own struggles and mental health well, you, issues you've had stage yes, fright yeah. yeah and 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 which has removed me from a show I removed myself because mm. I knew I wasn't going to be able to deliver and I sorted myself out um 
And it's the most painful, awful thing. How do you sort stage fright out? Um, that's an in- I, I didn't seek help. I should have done. What I did was put myself in a situation that, on live television that I thought, if I die... Because the panic attacks that would happen, you think you're going to die. And I thought, if I screw up, excuse my language, on, on live television uh, singing a song, then that's it, I'll stop. If I don't and I get through it, it'll never be worse than this. Mm. And I will find the techniques to do that. So I've developed techniques. And uh, and also, uh, you know, I have people... Kath, uh, my partner, sees the warning signs of me when I'm overtired, when I'm overstressed. And you just become aware. And it's about tricking your brain to not go into that spiral. Mm. It's amazing how many incredibly successful, talented performers... Uh, are still dealing with that. Oh, yeah. Sheila Hancock still has stage fright, uh, doesn't she? Miriam uh, Margulies absolutely. has stage fright. It's... And, 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 and I know a number of people who can no longer perform on stage. They'll do film work and so on because it's a different pressure. Mm. But uh, they won't do stage work because they simply cannot deal with it. Mm. What do you think of the audience participation thing that's oh, going down at the moment? Do have you, know have you had that on stage yourself? People Not so much in uh, Sweeney Todd and, <laughs> <laughs> and Aspects of or Love. Aspects of Love. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there wasn't a lot of part of it. I mean, I, I get it. The clever shows, the shows like Mamma Mia, Joseph, put in a mega mix at the end that's designated, this is your moment to stand up, have a dance and sing along. But for somebody to get up and be singing I Will Always Love You in The Bodyguard with some person trying to sing along with it. You're not going to be better than Beverly Nice, are you? You know, you're not. And the people around, it's so disrespectful to the the, the artists, to the people on stage. And it's not that, that, you know, that's not what this show is about. There are some shows, it works. Panto, absolutely. Mm. But when when it's it's things that, you know, a tough one would be Les Mis. Everybody knows Les Mis. And I can see a place where everyone at the very end will start singing Do You Hear The People Sing? Because that's what it's about. But don't join in with Bring Him Home and Empty Chairs at Empty Tables. And, and they, by and large, they don't. They don't, no. You know, it, it's a specific kind of a show, I think, and I'm yeah. but not wh- for it. What about the... There was a Just Stop Oil protest, wasn't there, at Lake Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, annoying, but bearing in mind that this is what the play itself is about... You can what? see, well, the, the, well the, <laughs> no. you know, the spirit of revolution a, a is in protest. Oh, I think a that's protest. a really tenuous... <laughs> OK, well, we'll move on. I no, thought... I get it. I, I know what you're saying. But but in which case, in, in which case, anybody who has any protest about anything should be getting up in the middle of Les Mis and stopping the show. It, 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 We're not encouraging that. No, it doesn't bear scrutiny. Now, it, let... it, it is... Uh, um, I get... It, it, I, I don't think it works. I just want to hear about Dame Diana Rigg. Oh, yeah. And um, this is back to backstage <laughs> etiquette. I mean, Fee and I are both essentially dames of broadcasting. Of course and you are. Dame Diana Rigg went backstage to see the now Dame Joan Collins mm. after Dame Joan, I don't think she was a dame at the time, no, perhaps she wasn't. she wasn't, had given her version of uh, Private Lives. Private Lives. And uh, as you say, I mean, you, in a very understated way, you say it wasn't the best production of Private Lives. It was fabulous, but not <laughs> probably for the reasons it should have been. I loved it. I had the right. best time. It was Dynasty Meets Coward. Right. And I don't know if it's a match made in heaven. The mashup we all wanted. But yeah, no, so we we went backstage, Kath and I went backstage afterwards, and I love Joan. 
and we'd been sat with Dame Diana Rigg, who I worship. So I'm thinking, this is going to be a really special backstage moment. And Joan is there in the black negligee and, and a house, you know, one of those proper Hollywood looks from the from the 40s, pours us some champagne and we're talking, saying how wonderful she all was, because that's what you do. And there's a knock at the door. And she went, oh, darling, who who is it? And it was Diana Rigg. Darling, oh, come in, darling. And in came Diana and she went, you were extraordinary. From the moment you walked onto that stage, you had the audience in the palm of your hands. One or two little notes, though. Can I give them to you? <laughs> and, and and Joan went, yes, yes, darling, I'd love to hear what you thought. She said, well, were you nervous, first half? Lower <laughs> register, where was it? <laughs> she went, what do you mean? She said, well, I thought you must be nervous because it was quite screechy at moments, quite, quite screechy and actually a little painful <laughs> to listen to. So... Lower, lower register, engage it, bring it down. You'll find it's marvellous. And I actually think that's good advice for life generally. Do you know, bring it down, lower register. <laughs> thank you, Dame Diana Rigg. A magic moment. And thank you, Michael Ball, oh, currently only Absolutely an OBE. Yeah. But for how much longer? I mean, so what do you mean, a damehood's come in my surely, mind? It's surely, surely, Michael. It? From your lips to God's ear. <laughs> Michael Ball. And um, I did love. I didn't just love the anecdote. It's the. T it's he's got it's the telling. It's of it. the telling of it, yeah. isn't it? The day the two dames, Diana and Joan, clashed backstage. But that does. I didn't catch that production of Private Lives. <laughs> I'm rather glad I didn't. So the dame thing is just funny, isn't it? So Giles uh, Brandreth gets all of the current big dames from the world of yeah. theatre on stage together, doesn't he? Imagine the competitive nature of those dressing rooms. So I think Dame Diana Riggs involved in that. Mm -hmm. Judy Dench is involved. Mm -hmm. I think Joan Collins is up there is too. Right. They, they, you know, there are about seven dames. Wow. Sheila Hancock. Eileen Atkins. Possibly yes. your mate. Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, just imagine. Great actress, by the way, genuinely. What yeah. goes on behind the scenes there. I, I cannot imagine. But I, I'd like to. I would like. There's a part of me that would very much like to. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Michael Ball. Um, if you're a fan of his, you'll be. I hope you'll just be enchanted by uh, just hearing him. And also, I think we both just. He was just a lovely person, just to have around. I mean, he can't be like that twenty four seven because nobody is. But it's just fun sometimes. He to was be, really lovely. To be with a pro. Yeah, and he looked yeah. really well. Sparkling blue eyes. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, we just really enjoyed his company. Yeah. Just a very easy guest, actually. A very giving. Knows what to do. Knows the business. Yep. Uh, so more of that. And there's a lovely picture up on the Insta. Uh, there's a book club reveal. If you've missed it, we are reading Trent Dalton, Boy Swallows Universe. Jane and I are a bit nervous about starting. Some of you have already finished. I mean, that's the type of person who would have done a summer holiday well, project. Well, that's the kind of person who'd have done a project, yeah. Yep, yeah. Uh, but you can join us at any time. And what is our Insta? It's Jane and Fee. Lovely. Just go to Instagram and search Jane and Fee, and we're the only ones there as far as I know. And we're doing nicely with the old followers. Um, just a couple of million behind where we'd like to be, so tell your neighbours. Knock on their door now. They're probably not doing anything, for Pete's sake. Uh, have a lovely couple of days. Uh, we're back on Monday. Goodbye. Oh, who's our guest on Monday? It's Ian Dale. It's Ian Dale? Yes. Oh, in well, he'll be another absolutely uh, stellar treasure of a guest, won't no. he? He's written a book about history. It's called Kings and Queens. You will never guess what that's about. Mm. I'm reading that one, aren't I? 750 pages long. <laughs> uh. 
You did it. Elite listener status for you for getting through another half hour or so of our whimsical ramblings, otherwise known as the hugely successful podcast Off Air with Jane Garvey and Fee Glover. We miss the modesty class. <laughs> our Times Radio producer is Rosie Cutler, the podcast executive producer. It's a man. It's Henry Tribe. Yeah, he's an executive. Now, if you want even more, and let's face it, who wouldn't, then stick Times Radio on at three o'clock Monday until Thursday every week, and you can hear our take on the big news stories of the day, as well as a genuine interesting mix of brilliant and entertaining guests on all sorts of subjects. Thank you for bearing with us and we hope you can join us again on Off Air very soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com 